Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Hormone Helper Podcast, which I hope is your go-to podcast for unlocking the secrets to a phenomenal and balanced life. I'm your host, Coach Andrew, and today we're going to be talking about how different diets impact hormones and how they can also impact your digestion. But before we go into that, I have a really exciting announcement uh, that hopefully is going to revolutionize the way that you think about your health and your well-being, and that is that our new Hormone Reset program is in launch mode. So it officially launched yesterday in the evening, and this program covers a bucket ton of stuff. If you're the type of person who's tired of dealing with bloating, chronic fatigue, if you struggle with cravings that strike late at night, or you have issues with stubborn weight that won't budge, then this is where you got to take a special tune in because I've got a game-changing program that's going to transform your life in literally just 30 days. So with our new Hormone Reset program, you're going to say goodbye to the days of feeling like your hormones are running the show. In just one month, the goal is to learn the foundational principles necessary so that way we can help you reset your hormone panel. We're going to do this by supercharging your metabolism, and we're going to help you boost your daily energy levels using the power of cortisol. Plus, we're going to help you enhance digestion as well by tackling the sources of estrogen that might be holding your back in your day-to-day routine. Now, I'll tell you flat out, this isn't just another online course or program that you're going to forget about in a week, because that is my pet peeve. My goal is to make sure that this is an immersive experience that's going to be conducted live and in a group setting. So starting yesterday, we are accepting applications for this life-changing journey until September 30th. So here is what is in store for you if you're like, hmm, I'm interested Maybe I want to join, see what this is about. So each week you're going to dive into engaging training sessions or group coaching calls that's going to equip you with the knowledge you need so you can take control of your hormonal health. And it doesn't stop there. I know that personalized support is the key to your success and to all success. So along this program, you're also going to be having dedicated question and answer periods where you're going to get the personal support that you need after each of the training sessions. So you'll get your burning questions answered by me. That way you can stay committed to your transformation and you can have a bucket ton of success through this process. So if you're ready to take control of your hormones and transform your life, then you can't miss on this opportunity to join a community of a fun, like-minded individual who's just ready to like get started on their journey to better health and vitality. So for more information on that program, simply go into the show notes and click that link there. Uh, And the website is uh, www.fitforallfitness.com slash hormone reset. That's it. So F-I-T number four, A-L-L fitness.com slash hormone reset. Or you can just email me. That's easier. Email me with the word reset and we will get you started. So all the information is there in the show notes. Now that we've got that covered and we've talked about a phenomenal way to help you, let's go right into today's episode to give you information on how different types of diets affect your digestion as well as your hormones. Now, to start, it wouldn't be fair if I only shared with you the negatives, like why every diet is bad, because there's good in a lot of the diets. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to go by diet by diet, and I'm going to share how they help you hormone wise and how they hurt you hormone wise. And then afterwards, I'll go through the digestive challenges that you can face each one. 
Now, the reason why I'm doing this is because so many people try a diet not fully understanding what is going to change with their digestion, with their hormones, because they're really just desperate to see a result. Maybe you've got bloating issues you want to get rid of. Maybe you're really struggling with cravings. Maybe weight is the issue. Regardless of what it is, people tend to be on this thing where they're like, if I just try different diets until I find something that works, then I'm going to be fine. What they don't realize is with each diet that they try one after another, their gut health, their metabolism, their hormone panel will become progressively worse or might be damaged depending on what they've done and whether or not they've done it properly. So that's why we're doing this episode today. So the first is that I'm going to start is intermittent fasting. So for those of you who don't know, intermittent fasting is essentially when you have a window of eating and you have a window of a fasted period. So people might take an eight hour window for eating and a 16 window for fasting, or they might shorten the food window and lengthen the fasting period. You can do it both dry fast and wet fast. Regardless of which one you do, there's a couple of positive hormonal effects by doing intermittent fasting, and there's a reason why intermittent fasting is actually effective. So number one positive effect is insulin sensitivity. So essentially, when you do intermittent fasting, it reduces the frequency of eating because it increases your sensitivity to insulin. So for people who might have a lot of really intense cravings or who have trouble recognizing their hunger and fullness cues by controlling your level of insulin, you're stopping your body's ability to receive, or I should say the way your body receives that signal. So it's more stable. So you will feel hungry less often by doing an intermittent fasting state. That's number one. Number two, the main thing with intermittent fasting is human growth hormone which is HGH. So essentially, when people built fasting, the entire point purpose of fasting was to stimulate human growth hormone, which helps aid in fat metabolism and muscle preservation. So when we consume food in a short eating window and we fast, what that does is it puts the body into fat usage mode because it's only using your fat stores when you are in a fasted state, which means that you're going to burn more fat on your body. Now, this percentage depends on how long you're fasting for and how consistent you're fasting for. And it could be to something like two to 3% of your growth hormone increase. So if someone has a healthy and strong hormone panel and they actually do intermittent fasting properly, where they have an eating window and they have a fasting window, then they will in fact see a boost in HGH and their fat metabolism is going to increase and it's going to rage. Now, the third kind of benefit when it comes to intermittent fasting is something that's called autophagy. So many people aren't familiar with that. Fasting triggers something that's called cellular autophagy. This basically supports hormone balance by reducing inflammation. So fasting helps cycle away the dead cells and turn on newer cells so that way inflammation can get rid of your body. So typically, someone who might have a lot of digestive distress or who might have trouble digesting certain foods may benefit in some cases with intermittent fasting because of this autophagy that goes inside the body. So 
you can see there's actually a lot of positives to doing intermittent fasting. The key is to do it properly. You have to have the same eating window and it must be consistent. So if it's an eight hour uh, eating window and you're doing 10 a.m. to 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, that's right, 5, I'm counting with my fingers, you betcha. So if, you're, if your food window is essentially 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., you cannot eat outside that window and that has to be consistent. Otherwise, if you do, if you eat outside those windows, you're going to lose the entire benefit to intermittent fasting and you're basically just starving yourself. The second issue with intermittent fasting is you've got to still eat all of your food for the whole day just in that food window. So most people, when they do intermittent fasting, they actually don't eat enough food. And then what happens is, is their body doesn't uh, have enough energy to say, hey, I'm comfortable using the fat. So you actually starve your body. So if you don't eat the window consistently or you starve your body, you're going to get negative hormonal effects, which is what we're going to talk about right now. From an intermittent fasting perspective, first thing is changes in your cortisol. So if you're doing prolonged fasting and your stress levels are already naturally high, it might lead to increased cortisol levels because fasting is a physical stressor. It is stressing your body and forcing you to use your fat re reserves for your storage. So people who are already actively stressed, they're going to have a harder time with intermittent fasting and intermittent fasting might actually hurt them. Second thing where intermittent fasting can be an issue is your thyroid function. So if you're the type of person who does extended fasting over long periods of time, think four months or six months where you're trying this diet for a really long time, it has the ability to suppress your thyroid hormone because if your body keeps dipping into the reserve fat storage, it has no choice sometimes but to slow down the system. And it will do that by slowing down your thyroid, which in turn will slow down your metabolism. So if you're trying to do intermittent fasting to actually burn fat, if you do it for too long, it's going to have the opposite effect. Your metabolism is going to slow down and then you're going to gain weight through your fast, which sucks. Final thing, which can be really big challenge for intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting might disrupt menstrual cycles in women and that really affects fertility. So estrogen is directly tied to our fat storage. So estrogen is the female hormone that is responsible for helping with libido and helping with menstrual cycles. If we're always using our estrogen storage and we're always attacking the fat storage, we might attack it to the point where our levels become too low to actually have proper menstrual cycles. So if your periods are already spotty or if they're inconsistent, intermittent fasting might actually make this worse. It might make this really, really hard for you. Now, in terms of the next diet, I want to talk about carb cycling. Carb cycling, whether you're talking about having a high carb day or a low carb day or doing something which is like no carb on certain days, regardless, carb cycling follows the principle that you're going to have days where you have carbohydrates. Typically, those are those days where you exercise and days where you don't eat carbs, which is going to be the days where typically you're not exercising.
So you're fueling days with activity or with heavy load, and you're taking away those carbs in times where maybe it won't be so much. Now, again, there's a couple of positive hormonal effects if you do carb cycling right. So in order for you to do carb cycling right, you have to have the same schedule of high carb days and low carb days, and it has to be done consistently. So if Monday, Wednesday, Friday is when your workouts are, Monday, Wednesday, Friday will be your high carb days, and then you can have your low carb days the other time. By changing that and by being consistent with it, your body can become accustomed to the energy, will burn carbs when it's needed, and then will burn fat when it's not. So if you're doing it right, positive effects is your leptin regulation, your fat storage regulation. So carb cycling can help regulate your fat levels, which influences appetite in your metabolism. So every single time you go from a high carb day to a low carb day, you're encouraging the metabolism to spike and you're encouraging it to increase. Therefore, you'll burn more calories at rest. And also by having high carb days, you're also going to feel full. So you're not going to have these weird hunger issues, which many people have issues with when they're actually trying a diet. Besides regulating the fat, it will also help with your thyroid hormones. So if we control our carb intake, this can support optimal thyroid function. Essentially, everyone has kind of a golden range to which when they're having enough carbs, their body's getting enough fuel, any excess carbs normally get converted and transferred over into your fat storage. So if you're cycling your carbs and you're doing it right and your hormones are healthy, then if you're varying your carb intake, you're going to have a really healthy thyroid that can be independent of itself. The last benefit is really your gut hormones. So varying your carb intake helps with digestion because you're not always on and you're not always heavily digesting foods. So this works really well with bodybuilders or with people who intake a lot of food regularly. If you're eating six meals a day or five or six meals a day, that's a lot of food and your digestion might have a hard time and it's not going to be able to do that every single day. So carb cycling is a great way to have days where you're taking a break, where your stomach can actually relax. So it's not working overtime all the time. So those are the positive side effects. Now, carb cycling has a couple of negative ones that are really, really brutal. And that's because people don't do carb cycling right. They either are having way too many carbs on their high carb days. They're having absolutely nothing on their low carb days. They're not consistent with the days that they have it on. Maybe they already have estrogen issues or cortisol issues. So here are the negative effects if you carb cycle and you do it improperly. You're going to get insulin spikes. So Having really, really high level of carbs means you have a high level of blood sugar, meaning your insulin will spike. And then if you go into low blood sugar, you're going to start to get insulin resistance over time. So insulin resistance is something that diabetic people get because, again, they have hard times controlling their insulin level and keeping it really, really consistent. So you don't want that because your body's going to become insulin resistant. And that means you're, you might get into a pre-diabetic condition. There's a possibility of that. 
energy levels. So carb cycling's low carb phases mean that you're going to feel like crap when it's low carb. Try not having carbs for a single day. You lose your explosive energy. You lose your, your muscle strength. You feel drained. And that's because carbs as a, as a human is our low level energy source. It's what we use every single day for us to get by. So every time your carb cycling hits a low day, your mood's going to be crap. Your memory is going to be cloudy. You're going to feel super exhausted and it's going to be really, really a pain in the butt for you to function. Now, if you keep those energy lows really, really low, it ends into the third part, which is adrenal dysfunction. If you keep shorting yourself for carbs in your diet, it's going to put so much stress on your adrenal glands. That's going to put you into possibly adrenal fatigue. So it will disrupt the way your cortisol works and your cortisol is your natural waking energy. So if you're not waking up at the same times every single day while doing this type of diet, you know why it's because you're having a cortisol issue and that can come from the carb cycling aspect of it. So carb cycling benefits. There's also positives, negatives. The big thing with carb cycling is when you're doing it, you have to ask yourself, why am I taking out the carbs? Am I taking out the carbs because I'm just trying to lose weight? Well, there's probably better ways. Or am I taking out the carbs because I'm eating an excess amount of food and this is going to help me actually digest all of my meals properly? Because that's really what it was designed for. Next, we've got the keto diet. This one is the fad that everybody is on right now. I personally can't stand the keto diet, not because eating high fats is wrong. There's a lot of benefits, but because people always use garbage quality fats, nobody does keto right. They don't have the right percentages from proteins to fats to carbs. And the consistency of maintaining this into your diet is damn near impossible. It is so hard for people to get keto right and to be consistent with it. And that's why I tell people stay away from this one. Not that it's absolutely terrible because it's not. There's positives for it. The reality though is if you can't maintain it and it's not sustainable for you, then you shouldn't be doing it to begin with. So let's go through the, uh, oh, actually, why don't we actually talk about what the heck keto is? So essentially keto is eating a... Uh, almost 100% fat diet. You've got, you know, 85 to 90% of your diet is going to be fat. You've got about 5% of your diet is going to be protein. And then you have virtually no carbs. When I say virtually no carbs, the percentages are really, really low. And the percentages are also really, really tight. Like if you don't do keto right, half an apple will be the difference between you doing keto right or doing keto wrong. However, if you do keto right, and your hormones are healthy and your metabolism is good, keto is phenomenal for insulin regulation. Because by reducing your carb intake to absolutely nothing, you're stabilizing your blood sugars and your insulin sensitivity is going to be absolutely on peak. So your blood sugar levels will be so, so stable. And that's because you're not having any carb fluctuations in your diet. So that's a big positive. Second, keto has great appetite control. And that's because when we are eating fats, 
fats help us feel fuller for longer. So fats have something that's called ketones and ketones help suppress appetite. And they help do that by regulating your hormones. Now, if our appetite is consistent and controlled and our hunger and fullness is on point, this means that we won't get these weird hunger signals, which will also help us in weight management as well too, because we will feel fuller for longer. Another big benefit from a keto perspective is testosterone levels. So some studies suggest that if you are doing keto and you do it over a two and a half to three month period and you're doing it correctly and consistently, then essentially your testosterone levels can raise. And this is especially true in men because with the fats and with the protein, the way that your body is actually using these ketones can help encourage testosterone to develop. So there are a couple of benefits, but when I look at the benefits, you can get every single one of these benefits in an easier way without only eating fats inside of your routine. So before we go to the negative hormonal effects, here's how you do keto wrong. Most people say, oh, I can only have high fat foods. So they go for your typical McDonald's, Harvey's, they're getting fast food, which is greasy fats, which is not good quality fats. They're buying these beyond meat things that essentially like it's are not beyond meat, like these keto packets or the ketone packets where they're not actually digesting real food, all to just get a high fat number. That's not doing keto right because those are not good quality fats. They don't come from food. Your body doesn't process them correctly and it's going to end up giving you a hard time. That's the first way people do keto wrong. The second way people do keto wrong is they either cave and they have a couple of more carbs than they should or they cave from a protein perspective. So, you know, it's crazy. I'm filming this and like, you know, and like, you see a shimmer in the back of the camera. I have this thing with ghosts, guys. Let me let me just get you in this like side thing with ghosts, okay? It's totally unrelated to health. <laughs> totally unrelated to health. Ghosts freak me out. It's wild. When I see shimmers, when I, I'm the kind of person where if it's late at night and I turn the light off in like the basement or something, I sprint up the stairs because I get the whole hair stand on the back of my neck like something or someone is chasing me. Apparitions and ghost stories literally freak me out. So anytime I see like a like a shimmer of light or some type of thing that moves on the camera, I just literally freak. So side effect, I like turn. I'm like, that's creepy as hell. But of course, it's nothing. And 99% of the time, it's usually nothing anyways. But ghosts. If you got a ghost story, I don't want to hear it. That's, <laughs> that's the big thing. But anyways, back to the, the negative hormone effects of, of the keto. So, uh, second thing, uh, second way that people, uh, don't do keto properly is they're not managing the proteins, the fats and the carbs, and they either eat too much carbs or they eat too much protein. This prevents your body actually from using a hundred percent fat as fuel, because that's a whole point of eating only fats for your body to convert and just use fat as fuel. So 
the body will kick out of ketosis and then you're just going to get keto flu, which is a real thing. It's like you feel really, I don't, it's not a, a real flu, but it's like keto sickness where you are very, very underfed in carbs and you feel like crap and you have a really hard time. So negative hormonal effects. First thing, if you do keto long-term, it will a hundred percent impact your thyroid function because your thyroid is not designed to work on 100% carbs only. So with very little blood sugar from your food, your thyroid's gonna have a really hard time, and typically it leads to thyroid dysfunction if someone does the keto improperly. Second thing that it can lead to is cortisol imbalance. So when we're adapting to use fats for just fuel by themselves, that's really, really hard on the body. I mean, think about it. Your body is just using carbs every single day. So if we're trying to force it to adapt to use a whole other energy source, that's a huge initial stressor that affects your cortisol levels. So if you're someone who is already in a high anxiety state or high stress state, this is really going to suck for you. And you're really going to feel this change. Third thing is for female hormones, keto has the possibility of disrupting menstrual cycles due to low carb intake. So just like low blood sugar affects your thyroid, your thyroid is then going to affect how much hormones you're putting out, which will affect your period cycles, your menstrual cycles. So if we have an excess in low carb, uh, carbs, women may actually lose their periods and that would really, really suck last diet that we're going to go through is going to be the vegan diet. Whether you talk vegan or you talk vegetarian, essentially it's when I say the same thing, it's not the same thing because there's different foods, but the way that the hormones affect the body doing both of these wrong is the same. So a vegan diet, vegan diet is exactly what you think it is. It's no meat no animal byproducts. We're just going strictly clean and we're going to go positive for the environment. I've done vegan before, nothing to it. I didn't think it was that difficult. There are tons of protein sources that you can get outside of just meat. And if done correctly, again, really, really great. It has really great benefits. However, here's the issue and the challenge with vegan and why people don't do it properly. Many people do vegan and instead of eating protein, they just have an excess amount of garbage carbs. And by having garbage carbs, your weight's going to go up. Your body fat percentage is going to increase because it's just quick food that's processed because protein, just like fat helps you feel fuller for longer and they're not getting enough protein in their diet. So you're having too many carbs in their garbage. You're not having enough protein. That's the second way that people get it vegan wrong. And then third thing with vegan is you buy these like vegan, like beyond meat products and such that, and again, I don't know much about the brand, but there are a lot of vegan products that try to mimic meat. And by doing that, they add in a bunch of chemicals and fillers to make the same texture, the same type of, of taste that you get from meat. And that's not healthy for you. So if you're not prepared to not have any of those things, vegan diet's probably not going to be for you. But 
if you do vegan diet right, there are a couple of good benefits to it. First thing is insulin sensitivity. So when we consume plant-based diets, it improves insulin sensitivity by supporting blood sugar control. So the way that plant-based food breaks down into your system, it's easier for the body to be able to manage. And then you're going to get the byproduct of those nutrients and it'll help support your blood sugar. Second thing is estrogen balance. There are a lot of plant foods that have something that's called phytoestrogens. Phytoestrogens are really, really weak estrogens that will take the spot of a regular estrogen cell, but actually won't activate like estrogen does. So phytoestrogens in plant-based foods have shown signs to help regulate estrogen levels in people. So essentially, the idea is if you get really weak estrogens that don't harm the body, you consume them with the plants, and then your estrogen level becomes stable, and you don't have any estrogen issues. This is really good for bloating. It's really good for digestive distress if you do it properly. Now, third thing is heart health. So by eating a lower amount of saturated fat, which is typically what vegans do. They tend to lower their saturated fat intake. Um, it can positively Im impact your, your heart because poor quality fats or trans fats, as they're called, uh, essentially affect the way that your body process, like your body sees trans fats almost like a foreign chemical. So it attacks it instead of digesting it. So there are certain types of fats that if you remove them from your diet, impact your heart because your heart doesn't have to work as hard because it won't clog the arteries that's around them. And uh, that's a big aspect of it. So from a vegan perspective, there's a lot of positives, but you have to make sure that your protein intake is high. You have to make sure that you're not eating high refined foods. You still have to get all the nutrition that you would eat in a day with vegetables only or your vegan products only and you have to do that consistently otherwise you're going to be deficient and that's really what the negative effects are from a hormonal perspective vitamin b12 tends to be the main deficiency that's common in vegan diets and b12 is responsible for impacting energy and your nerve function another nutrient that's gone is iron because the majority of the iron sources tend to be meat. So plant-based iron sources are usually less and they are typically less absorbable because of the iron type. So if you're someone who is doing vegan and you're not getting your iron, then this can potentially lead to anemia, in which case you feel that uh, dizziness upon standing up, you feel very faint and it's hard for you to function. Last thing that you could be really low in is your omega-3s. So these are fatty acids. They come from fatty food. These help hormone production by helping your thyroid and helping your body produce more progesterone. And they help with your brain health. So if you're not intaking fatty foods because you're not eating fish, you're not eating meats, then where else are you going to get these fats from if you're not taking some type of a supplement for these? So most often than not, people who are doing vegan, they're, they're either have to supplement 
with different types of nutrients that they're missing, or they're going to be deficient of those. And they're going to have a really hard time actually being able to absorb and digest the food, which is a huge aspect of it. Okay. So those are the main diets that I wanted to walk you through. And now that we've talked about what can change hormone wise, what I want to do is get into how each diet changes your digestion. Now, there's a reason why I talked about the hormones first, because everything that is affected by your gut, your guts and your hormone, your guts, your gut and your hormones work hand in hand, because if you cannot digest nutrients, your body does not have the raw building blocks it needs to then create hormones. If you're short on hormones, your metabolism slows down, which means that your gut is going to work slower in digesting food. It's a vicious cycle. So when we're looking at both the hormonal problem and the gut problem, we want to address them at the same time. These diets, they don't address them at the same time. They actually hurt them at the same time. So let's talk about intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting's problem with digestion is reduced enzyme production. So essentially when you fast for extended periods, you are reducing the amount of bacteria in your digestive enzymes, which is going to affect the breakdown of nutrients. Now you have this gut microbiome, these little healthy gut soldiers that are inside your bacteria that need to reproduce and live. And basically they have to break down food. And when they break down food and eat, the byproduct is the nutrients that get given to you. So when you're fasting, you're reducing the amount of enzyme production, which means you're killing off those gut workers. And then when your gut biome becomes weak, you're going to have a disruption of balance between good gut bacteria that helps you break down food and bad gut bacteria. Ultimately, this can lead to a lot of conditions like Digestive distress, inflammation can lead to bloating, can lead to the inability to digest certain foods, which are really hard, like gluten or dairy, can also lead to acid reflux. So longer fasting windows might trigger acid reflux because there's an increased stomach production in acid because if there's no food to digest, your body's like, well, maybe if I make more acid, I can like try and get whatever food scraps are left. So if you're doing intermittent fasting, keep in mind, the longer you do it, the higher chance you have of getting these types of symptoms with your digestion. Now, number two is the carb cycling. So carb cycling's problem with digestion is really digestive discomfort. So when we frequently shift our carbohydrate intake, this leads to bloating. It leads to gas because you go from having an overfull stomach on high carb days to an empty stomach that's really just struggling to try and digest and get food. So if you're not consuming food at regular intervals, you're going to feel bloated, you're going to get gassy, you're going to have digestive discomfort. Now, alongside that, your changes in, fi uh, your changes in carbs means that you're going to have a change in fiber, which means you're not going to be regular. You should be having two to three bowel movements every single day and doing this carb cycling aspect, you may only have 
one bowel movement a day and then three the next day. And that's actually going to cause a microbiome imbalance again. So by drastically fluctuating your carbs, your bacteria is going to go from having used to a lot of food to being empty. And it's really going to struggle and you're going to have a lot of bacterial die off. So my experience, intermittent fasting and carb cycling tend to be the two diets that everybody tries to lose weight and they don't do intermittent fasting properly. They don't have the proper window. They're not intaking the same amount of food, which leaves them hungry and at the same time leaves them feeling really low energy. And it's the same thing with carb cycling. They have either really, really high carb days, which makes them feel bloated and gassy, or they have really low carb days and they don't eat anything, which means that it's going to affect your weight loss. So if your body is not getting consistent energy and it's not digesting food on a regular basis, there's no way that it's going to feel comfortable with letting go of some of your fat storage because your fat is an emergency reserve fuel. So if you are doing these two diets and your body is holding on to the fat or holding on to the weight, then chances are you're getting a lot of these symptoms or these issues and you're not doing them right. So keep that in mind. All right, let's go on to keto. So keto's diet and the uh, problem with digestion for this is really constipation. Like when you are eating zero to no carbs, you're going to have a low fiber intake and nine times out of 10, people are also dehydrated. So combined with that, you're going to be constipated like crazy. It's going to suck for you because you've got no fiber to push things along. Now, if you have a super high fat intake for a really long time, besides the constipation, your body is actually going to increase its bile production because Bile is used for digestion and fats are harder to digest than carbs. So essentially for each carb, you've got four calories in terms of what's being burned or used for each fat. We have nine calories per unit. So it's almost twice as hard to burn fats for the body. So we will have to increase the amount of bile that's used to actually break down fat. And potentially this can lead to gallbladder issues along the way if done improperly. And if you're doing it for too long, same thing leads to your microbiome changes. You're going to have gut bacteria that's dying off like crazy, which is going to influence your digestion. A lot of these diets that I'm talking about on this episode, you see that they're sharing the same thing that they're implement that they're impacting your gut health workers, which make it really hard for them to be able to digest and break down food to give you nutrients. Finally, our last one is the vegan diet and the problem with digestion. Vegan is huge for FODMAPs. So essentially this is like some high fiber plant foods in vegan can be rich in something that's called FODMAPs. 
And this causes a lot of gas and a lot of bloating in sensitive individuals. So what I mean by this is like cruciferous vegetables, for an example. So like things like cauliflower, like broccoli, some people can't tolerate them raw, even if they do have a good digestive system, because these FODMAPs are really high. And the way that your body breaks them down tends to naturally cause a lot of gas and bloating. This is why a lot of the times when we cook our food, we we cook it to the point where that breaks down and then it's easier for us to be able to digest. So if you're eating these high fiber plant foods in your vegan diet, then you might just naturally have gas and bloating to begin with. Then you've got, of course, the digestive enzymes issues. So there are certain plant compounds that can inhibit the way that your body creates digestive juices. So if your body is minimizing the amount of digestive juices it makes because of the certain type of food, it can impact the way you break down nutrients and the way you absorb nutrients. Now, big thing, which is interesting in vegans is a sudden increase in vibe in fiber. So if you've never done vegan before and you just start up vegan and you go hundred percent, a lot of vegan foods tend to have a lot of fiber in them because vegetables have a lot of fiber, carbs have a lot of fiber, and this can cause digestive discomfort because maybe you've gone from a constipated state to now you're just pushing out stool like it's crazy. So there's a lot of changes with that digestion and ultimately it's going to be a little bit of a challenge there for you. Another thing as well is lack of protein enzymes. Most vegans and vegetarians are not getting enough protein. Vegans, vegetarians out there, you need protein. You can't just eat carbs. You can't just eat your vegetables. You have to get protein, even if it's in the form of a plant source, because if you're not getting your protein, you're not building your muscle. If you're not having enough muscle, you're not burning a lot of calories because your muscle density is low, which means that you have a higher chance of having a higher body fat percentage. So a lot of things that we covered today, a bucket, bucket ton of stuff. And I want to say this right out the gate. It's really essential to know that while a lot of these potential problems exist with diets, I'm going to say that they don't affect everybody and they don't affect everyone in the same way. This is why as a coach working with someone individually is so important because individuals, people's responses, their hormone panels, factors such as gut health, maybe they've got a pre-existing condition, like it could also be the quality of the food when doing the diet. There are so many things that can change for somebody that can affect the way that their digestion and their hormones change with these diets. So if you're doing them, really look into the actual diet itself or work with a coach because they're going to be able to know exactly which one works for you. Or if you even need to do any of these diets, because 90% of the people don't do these. Like I don't do any of this. I eat like a regular human being. I go out to restaurants. You can too. All of these things are just really extreme. They're too restrictive. They cause restrictive eating and I don't like any of them. That's my personal. Do they work? Yes. Have I used them with clients? hundred percent. Sometimes they're effective for certain people. So I hope that this information helps you as I know personally that it can be really frustrating hopping from diet to diet. 
because nobody likes searching for another solution. Now on another fun note before I finish off, and I'll keep it really, really low key, this episode actually marks 52 weeks of the podcast that Well, it seems I'm all out of info juice for today. That's all for this episode. And thank you so much for listening. Please leave a raving review for me if you've learned something good and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, if you're in the mood for some more great content and tools to get your hormones on track, why not check out our free Facebook group and the blog on our site? We do amazing weekly trainings in our group that me and my wife call Tea and Teachings that give good tips for anything hormones and metabolism related. It's also a great community where you get to share your goals and success with like-minded people just like you. I'll make sure to drop both the Facebook group link and the blog link in the show notes for you. Or if you're ambitious like me, the name of the group is Weight Loss and Balanced Hormones. Uh, It'll say fit for all beside it with a picture of me. So come and join us and have more fun.